Well, good morning again. I see our musicians and singers are a little out of control. Merry Christmas to everybody. It is a joy to be able to gather together on this Sunday. If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. A few weeks ago, we began our Advent series by looking at uh, uh, an elder, uh, older couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we're going to come back around and catch the rest of Zechariah's story this morning. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Is it? Really? Would you say that? Andy Williams gets dusted off each year at this time and he bellows out, it's the happiest season of all, but is it? We feel all sorts of opposites during this season, don't we? Well, at least many of us do. Maybe you can relate. I don't feel like things are wonderful. In fact, it seems pretty miserable to me. The kids aren't jingle-belling because there isn't a single moment for a single jingle. And no one is telling me to be of good cheer. They're saying other things. Everyone is just as angry and anxious as I am. And we all have those nostalgic longings, but harried realities creating a hurry-up-in-Christmas kind of pace. That creates very little joy, let alone joy to share. But I, but I do think Andy is on to something. I actually do think it is the most wonderful time of the year. Because here at this time, we get to zero in our attention, our focus, our thoughts, collectively, even culturally, on something that God had done. And because of what God has done, you and I, we have good news of great joy to share. I want to say that again. Because of what God has done, we in all of the various circumstances and situations of our lives that are represented in this room, all the joys, the sorrows, the hardships, the angst, the pain, the worry, the concern, the fear, the regret, the shame, all of it, we, in this room, because of what God has done, have good news of great joy to share. And as we go about this, as we go about sharing the good news of great joy, there's something incredible that happens in us and to us. We experience joy. You experience joy as you share good news of great joy. And you are able to share good news of great joy because God has done wondrous things. I love this time of the year. I love Easter I love it all because we get to zero in and really focus ourselves on what it is that God is doing, has done, and will do. So my hope this morning is that no matter the circumstances that might be going on in your life, or maybe better said, in the circumstances that are going on in your life, 
that you will experience great joy as you share good news of great joy. Because you and I, we have good news of great joy to share because of the things that we find in our passage this morning, the things we find in the Bible, the things that we see in God's purposes. So we have good news of great joy to share because of first, God does something for us. We have good news of great joy to share because God does something for us. Secondly, we have good news of great joy to share because God does something in us. And then thirdly, we have good news of great joy to share because God does something through us. Through us. Through our lives. He does something. Let's take time to think through these things together. Look back at our passage that Josh read for us this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And his father, his father, his being John the Baptist, who was just born. His father, Zechariah, was unable to speak for the better part of nine months. And so these are his sort of first words after he said, no, his name is John. Um, These are the words that Zechariah, after nine months of longing and waiting and, and trusting and 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 resting in God, he says these things filled with the Holy Spirit, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved. God does something for us. You and I, we have Good news of great joy because God has done something for us. And what has God done for us? He has saved us. And that saving us is God fulfilling His promise. Promise that He made long ago. Promise that He made before He even said, let there be light. Promise that He made in the Garden of Eden when there was a great and tragic day. The promise that he made to a, a man that he called out of a foreign land to come and be a nation. A promise that he made to a man on a mountain with a wayward people. A promise that he made to a wayward king with an even more wayward people. A promise that he continued to uphold and say that day is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Christmas is about that promise being fulfilled. God does something for us. That promise was to undo what was broken by sin. God promised to undo what was broken by sin. He promised to undo our broken relationship. We were created in his image designed to reflect him with our lives, but that was broken by sin. Our worship, the thing that we treasure or value the most of all, the thing that rules our hearts, God designed us to be worshipers. And we will worship something. But sin's come along and marred and broken what we worship. No longer do we worship the Creator. We worship lesser things, other things, created things. Our pursuits in life 
and the motives that we have behind them, all of that have been broken by sin. Our affections and joys have been hijacked and broken by sin. Everything we think, everything we feel, everything we do is infected by the brokenness of sin. You cannot escape it. It's like air. You breathe. It's everywhere in you. God has done something for us. He has undone what was broken by sin. He has also promised to rescue us from bondage. Look at verse 74, if you have your Bible. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear. He has rescued us from bondage. That sin that has broken everything in our lives shackles us in bondage to itself. So much so that you and I, we cannot not sin. Double negative for emphasis. Got it? We cannot not sin. In your thoughts, in your affections, in your actions, deep down in your motives, you can't escape it. You can't avoid it. It is an unrelenting overlord and we cannot break its bonds. So much so that even creation is groaning for rescue from its bondage to sin. Romans chapter 8. You and I, we live in a spiritual, emotional, and maybe even physical reality that our world is a lot closer to Mad Max than it is to anything nostalgic we might think about Christmas time. We are in bondage, trapped, and God has done something for us. He has come to rescue us from that bondage. Later in his life, Jesus said, Put it like this. He said it like this. This is great. I love this. He equates sin and Satan and death as a strong man. And he says, how can you steal from the strong man? How can you plunder the strong man? Somebody stronger than the strong man has to come in and beat him up and and win. Now, I'm paraphrasing. Jesus didn't put it that way. But you get the gist. And Jesus is saying, I'm that. I'm stronger than the strong man. I'm going to plunder his house with my life, death, and resurrection. It's going to be far superior to the bondage that it holds people under. God has promised to rescue us. Thirdly, not only does this promise that God does something for us to fulfill his promise that we would be saved. Not only is it to undo what was broken by sin, but it's not just to rescue us from bondage, but it's also to restore us. To undo what was broken, to rescue us from bondage, so that we can be restored to what God designed us to be. Restored to serve. He delivered us from the hand of our enemies so that we might serve him without fear. Restored to serve the same imagery as in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Restored to holiness that is set apart for God. Restored to righteousness that is to live according to God. And then restored for eternity for all our days. That we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him 
all our days that we would be restored back to that right relationship with God. So he, he overcomes the sin that creates the distance and the barrier and the fracture to the relationship. He overcomes the chains by which that sin puts us in. He overcomes death for us so that we could be restored right with him. That's Christmas, y'all. That's good news of great joy. And to everybody in here, I want to say to those of you who ache. Now, I've been, in, I've been emphasizing this over the Advent series because the reality is this is the most depressing time of the year for many people. I don't, I don't say that glib. I mean that. This is a very hard season. There are a lot of aches. And some of our aches that we feel in our hearts and in our soul are the aches that are brought on by the consequences of sin. We ache because of the consequence of sin. We feel it in our lives with the brokenness around us, with loss that we experience, with fear that swirls around in our hearts. We feel it in our lives with the habitual struggle we have with gossip or anger or lust or envy or hate. We hate that we feel these things rattling around in our lungs, in our hearts. We ache over them. We feel it in our lives because we do long for something. We do long to know God more truly and deeply. But we are so easily distracted by the pace of life or the pleasures of it. Do you relate to any of that? Be honest. Do you relate to any of that? That ache. Something isn't right. You can't put your thumb on it, but you just know it's not right. It's an ache. Like one of those deep Aches that you have in your body where you can't quite get it. And, and you, you just, you want to like dig your fist into it to find it. And you can't find it. It just aches deeply. Good news. God promised and purposed that we should be saved. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and redeemed us, that we should be saved. Christmas is about promise and anticipation moving into reality and fulfillment. It is about God moving into time and space so that we should be saved from sin and all of its aches. Christmas is about realizing God does what we couldn't do. And you know what that does then? It makes us as aching ones, but saved. You are an aching person, but now you're saved. And so aching but saved people, get this, make for the best sharers of good news of great joy. Those who ache but are saved, you have a wonderful opportunity and privilege with your life. To be one who shares good news of great joy. Zechariah experienced some brokenness. Nine months he couldn't talk. Nine months. Think about that for a second. 
couldn't talk. Now, many of you in here probably have some people on the list that you would love to have nine months who can't talk. You probably don't have you on that list. Some awkward moments among couples as they stared at each other. Nine months. No talking. No ability to speak. He experienced some brokenness, but the good news of great joy shared by this aching but rescued life of Zechariah, get this, caught the hearts of those who heard them. Look your eye up a little bit from our passage that we read this morning. Verse 63, unable to speak, says he asked for a writing tablet and wrote his name as John. And they all wondered, people all gathered around. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all of his neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts. All who heard them laid them up in their hearts. I want to encourage you in here. You who are trusting in Christ You who know the good news of great joy, I want to encourage you with this. Don't think you have to have a perfectly ordered and acceptable life to be someone God would use to share good news of great joy to those who are lost and aching in their lives. You and your ache can be such a a realistic Sharer of good news of great joy. Don't pretend church. Don't just put on church clothes. In your realness, in your experience, in the way in which God is at work in your life right now, even in the midst of what aches you, you, yes, you, can be used by God to share good news of great joy to others. And others will see your life It's realness. The real things going on in your life and you really trusting Christ and you really having a joy. That will catch their attention and they'll lay that up in their hearts. God uses those who ache to help others who ache come to know good news of great joy. Secondly, what we find is not only does God do something for us, But then, if that wasn't like amazing enough, and it is amazing, God does something in us. So, he does something for us that he fulfills his promise. Now he does something in us. He brings his presence. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. I love those first words. He has visited. God came near. The one in charge of everything came near. He didn't send an emissary. He didn't send a military leader. He didn't send an angel other other than to announce some stuff. But but reality, reality is this. God showed up. God himself showed up. He brought his presence into our 
reality, humanity, our brokenness, our world. He didn't look at it and say, oh, that's dirt, too dirty for me. I'll sort of like throw them a bone, but otherwise it's, I, I'm not going to enter into that. No, he came all the way down into our mess. God did. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, set aside glory, put on humanity, entered into our brokenness. And he did so through this one small people called Israel. And that through this, the good news of great joy of a God who saves goes out to all the peoples. This is, this should be very encouraging for all of us in here. Because history is filled with, with the laurels of great nations. Think of where we are in our Bible and the time period that this is. There's been Assyria and Babylon and Greece and Rome. These great advanced world powers commanded the stage of human history. Israel was a nothing, a nowhere, a who cares, an easily forgotten, an annoyance when compared to the significant issues and alliances these world powers embattled over the centuries. And furthermore, the people involved in the story of Luke 1 and 2 were nobodies in the context of a nobody nation. And that is exactly where God stooped down into our humanity and reality. John 1.14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God brought his presence near into our obscurity to save us and do something powerful in us. And that's not all. So as the God, the Son, takes on flesh for us, God, the Spirit, then works powerfully in us. Powerfully in us. God stoops all the way down into the human heart. So he doesn't just put on humanity and come into our world. He continues his work. And he goes all the way down into the human heart. All our broken, scarred, just like hurried hearts so that we could hear and, and see and believe and receive. We have um, a few books that we like to read around Christmas time. One of them is a recent edition, a couple of years ago, I think, called The Moon Man Cometh. It's, uh, it's a wonderful, incredibly illustrated, powerful story that captures the this like reality and picture of Christmas. And there's this character, it's a fantasy character called the Moon Man. And the Moon Man is, is mysterious and, and, and interesting and powerful. And you're following the story of a small boy who works on a Christmas tree farm and has brokenness in his life. And that brokenness has left him scarred, afraid, and angry. And there's this powerful moment in the book, both in, in the writing of it, but also in the illustration where this big, 
figure, the moon man, this like tall, intimidating figure, stoops all the way down, all the way down to the level of the child, looks the child in the face and says, I see you. I hear you. I know you. I don't know what aches you. I don't know what brokenness seems to overwhelm you. I don't know how many times you've cried out like this boy in the story for something, anything. The Christmas story is God stooping down and saying to you, broken, obscure, nobody, I see you. I hear you. I know you. He does something in our hearts. And so for those of us here who long know that God does something in you. There are many here this morning who feel like there's a massive hole in their lives that something significant is missing. Perhaps that thing has been lost or squandered or ripped away. This season is hard and lonely. It is a painful reminder for some of us that we are alone, that we have lost loved ones, that we do struggle, that no one understands. And so I say to you this morning, God stoops down into your life. You who longs and says, I see you, I hear you, I know you. Christmas is about the arrival of God in the flesh. In our obscurity to rescue those lost in the world far bigger and faster and all too caught up with itself. God redeems, he saves, he redeems nobody's to Kanye's, he redeems, and I don't see Kanye in here, so that means we're a bunch of nobodies, and he saves us, this is good news for us nobodies, who long for somebody to rescue us. And that also does something profound. It's those who long and find in God, the one who comes near. Those people make for great sharers of good news. Zechariah experienced the powerful visiting and redeeming work of God. And he went about proclaiming joyfully over who God is and what God does. Remember, he didn't didn't speak for nine months. Talk about longing. Don't think that you're too insignificant or too broken to share life-rescuing good news of great joy to others. In fact, you bring a little bit of realism tethered to life, reality for other people. Some of you know some of my story, my backstory. I, I did not grow up in a very healthy environment. And when I share that story with others, I usually get a very similar like, reaction. Well, I didn't, that, I didn't see that coming. God rescues broken people from broken places 
And he uses broken people from broken places to be excellent sharers of good news of great joy. Not out of eloquence, but out of honesty, vulnerability, authenticity. God can use you in the life of your family. Some of you all are sitting around, some of you most likely moms, because you think like this. Probably sitting around making sure everybody has the same amount of gifts ready, right? How many of you got a target run that you have planned tomorrow morning? Be honest. I see your hand. (laughs) Guys just think of it more in terms of value. Well, we paid X amount and X amount. They're good. No, it's always gift amount. It's just the amount of boxes with presents and bows, right? Yeah. I was going somewhere with that. Where was I going with that? (laughs) That's not in my notes. Linda can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> we think our lives are just filled with hard things and hard people. And as you go around, this is where I'm going. I found it. Hooray. Um, as you get ready to be with family, because it's a holiday, and it's hard for you to give a gift, because you, never, you haven't really fixed that relationship, but you go through the function of gathering together, right? And it's hard for you to do that. And maybe perhaps this season around, you'll think about what it is that God has done in you. How he has rescued you. And stooped down into your life and brought you life. Maybe that will change your perspective to the situations or the people around you that are hard. And you'll be eager to share good news of great joy with them. Because then that leads us to the third point, and we'll hit quickly, that God does something through us. So God does something for us. He fulfills his promise to save. God does something in us. He brings his presence, that saving power into our lives, and God does something through us. That is, he supplies his power so that we would be sharers of good news of great joy. He supplies his power in us so that we would be sharers of good news of great joy. Look at the end of our passage, starting in verse 76. Zechariah speaking over his child. Child, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give light to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So he's talking to his son over his son, fulfilled by the Holy Spirit to announce the purpose of his son, which is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus the Christ. He prepared the way by preaching to people, turn from your sin and turn to God. The dawning of redeeming grace was coming. Hearts were to be prepared and God used ordinary people for extraordinary works. Good news is coming and it will be great joy for all the people. God supplies his power so that his people... Obscure and broken, but rescued and restored would be the sharers of good news of great joy. And so for those who follow in all of your weakness, in all of your wobbling, in all of your failures, in all of your distractions, but yet following 
God is still doing the same sort of work today through his people. Anyone can get in on this. Anyone can get in on this. Anyone gets in on the good news because God is saving the people from all places. And anyone can get in on this great joy. You don't have to have a perfect life to have great joy. You just need to be rescued by Christ and see the sovereignty of God's grace and love for you. Anyone can get in on then being a sharer of that good news and great joy. Your life can be a sharing life of good news of great joy. Anyone rescued from their sin by the powerful grace of God can bring good tidings of comfort and joy to those who sit around them. And who are those around you? Look at verse 79. The lives of people that you love and care about, that you work next to, that you live next to, that you see all the time at the market basket, the lives of the people in your life, they sit in darkness. They're in the shadow of death and they have no idea where to go. They need guidance. You can be one who brings good tidings of comfort and joy to those who sit in darkness. That is spiritual and moral darkness. You, your life can be used by God to shine good news of great joy, light into their darkened lives. Yes, you, no matter if you're 15 in high school or 75 and living out however many years of your life that you have and everywhere in between, your life can be used by God to shine good news of great joy, light into those who are in darkness. God used somebody in yours. He'll use you in somebody else. And they're in darkness. They're groping around in the dark with nowhere to, not knowing where to go. Spiritually dark, morally dark, lost. You have light. And your light is like, like thousand times halogen bright. Doesn't diminish. It's gospel light. It's good news, a great joy light. It pierces through all the darkness. Darkness loses, light wins. Every time. Those who sit in darkness. Those who are in the shadow of death. That is the imagery of somebody sunk under their sin with no hope. There are people in your lives who have no hope. The Bible says those who are without God are without hope. Ephesians 2. None. Zero. No hope. And you can be one who brings hope because you have good news of great joy. That God saves busted, broke down, obscure nobodies. And those who need guidance, they don't know the way. They have no idea where to go. They can't see up, down, left, or right. You can be in their lives a beacon used by God to lead them to their Savior, Jesus Christ. God supplies the power for you to be a sharer of good news of great joy. We can be like, not exactly the same, but like Zechariah. We can be like John the Baptist. We can be like the angel who announced 
good news of great joy. And we can be like those shepherds who ran and told everybody all about what they saw. You and I, we are perfectly positioned next to those who are in darkness, without hope, and lost. Recently, a couple of years ago, or last year, and then again this year, there's been a lot of sort of cultural focus on Fred Rogers. There was a documentary last year that was incredibly made. It was worth the time to watch. There's a movie that came out this fall. One thing that I always remember about Fred Rogers was that whenever there was a child guest on a show, Fred always entered into their world. He slowed down. He wasn't worried about time. He spoke at their level, sometimes even physically, getting down to where they were. And he gave them his attention and his affection. Similarly, similarly, we have the opportunity to come alongside those in darkness without hope and who are lost. We have the opportunity to enter into their world, speak at their level, to give them our attention and our affection so that we can share with them good news of great joy. Because you and I, you know what? We have a unique experience in our lives. We all in here, if honest, no matter our age or stage of life, can identify with hurts. We can identify with sorrow. We can identify with longing. We can identify with aching. We can identify with so much more. But we also can identify with rescue, with life, and with salvation. God uses us in the lives of others so that they can come to know good news of great joy. May God powerfully supply so that we share it through our lives. In the flurry of this season, take a moment to be present in the lives of those around you. And as you're present in their lives, reflect on the good news of great joy that God has done something for you, in you, and will do something through you. And ask God for the grace and perspective to be a sharer of that good news of great joy to a people in great need. Let's pray. God, we ask for just that. We pray that you would indeed powerfully work in our hearts. We certainly need to know that you have brought great comfort for our souls in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who lived the life that we could not live, who died the death that we deserved, who overcame the enemies of our soul, so that all who look on him through faith will be saved. God, what incredible news. And what profound joy, joy that is worth all the songs, joy that will be sung for all eternity. God, I pray that as we relish and re- and rejoice in such joy that we would also be a people eager and hopeful to be sharers of that good news of great joy to others. How would you do that work in us? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.